What is up, my friends? Welcome back to the Naked Leadership Podcast. This is Chad. As usual, I'm here with Dan and Adrian this week. This is our 10th installment in the the Harrison Assessment series that we've been doing. If you've been listening for any amount of time, you know the Harrison Assessment is a powerful tool that we use to map out culture and leadership in an organization. And it's on the premise of paradoxes, meaning two ideas or traits or preferences that seem to be contradictory, but actually when they're balanced, when we have both of them, we uh, were more successful, we're more effective in our leadership, in our communication. This week, we're talking about innovation. Innovation measures persistence with experimenting. How much are we willing to persist? How good are we at persisting while also experimenting, trying new things in new and new ways of doing things? I really enjoyed this conversation. I got so much out of it personally, tons of notes, tons of insight. Can't wait for you to listen to it. So without further delay, let's go. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Naked Leadership Podcast. My name is Chad. I'm here with Dan and Adrian again. Gentlemen, Adrian, how are you, man? I'm great. Good to be here. Dan, it's so great to be with you. Great to be here. I'm excited to jump in today. Today, we're talking about innovation, and this is the 10th installment in the series, the Harrison assessment series that we're doing. So if you've been listening to this podcast any amount of time, you know for the last, geez, a uh, couple of months, we've been releasing episodes dissecting each of the paradoxes um, inside of the Harrison assessment. The Harrison assessment is set up. It, it's an assessment that we use in our work where you can take the assessment and then it will evaluate your preferences on 12 paradoxes. And these paradoxes are two ideas that seem like they are conflicting or at odds with each other, but really together, um, synergistically, they, they are a strength. And so, um, it's just interesting to, to dive into each of these terms, each of these traits and preferences and see how it relates to the topic at hand. So today we're talking about innovation and, uh, the two, uh, traits, uh, that it's measuring is persistent and experimenting. So you can see how those might seem like contradicting ideas. If you're persistent, you're doing the same thing over and over and over and over again. If you're experimenting, you're constantly trying new things. At least that's my interpretation of them. And each one, most of these episodes, Dan, we've started with you because you are uh, so good at setting up, I think, each one of these paradoxes in a way that's interesting for us to think about. How do you typically approach this paradox when you're talking with somebody that you're debriefing with, or you're looking at the results of somebody's test to evaluate whether or not they're good for a position or uh, will contribute to the team in a way that's needed. Yeah. A couple of things. Uh, the, it's really uh, the key to this is being focused. It's the, it has to do with determination and imagination. And mm. um, so you, it, you may or may not do the same thing over and over again, but you will persistently do whatever it takes Persistence means to basically, you know, be tenacious. Yeah. In, in, regardless of what kind of significant obstacles you encounter. And then experimenting is that kind of letting your imagination go wild and be willing to try new things in a new way. Okay. New ways of doing things, right? Try to like you go, you're working around to find a way to do it. And pers- 
you know, obviously both of these are important because if you're, I mean, if you're, if you're really persistent and you don't, you're not willing to experiment, well, you're going to get stuck. (laughs) Stubborn persistence is just stuck. And it's like the old sailing. If you keep doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results, that's crazy. Right. And then, um, but if you're experimenting, you can, and, and you like, that's all you, you don't, you're not persistent at all, but you're going to look like a flake because you're going to be changing from one thing to another without really knowing the, the validity or effectiveness uh, of what you're doing, right? That's why persistence. So there's a balance. You want to get to that inventive balance where you're persistent and you're willing to try new things to, but you, you're persistent to get results and you don't try new things till you get that you're, what you're doing isn't going to bring you the result that you're committed to. It isn't going to bring the outcome that you're looking for. Right. So that's a, it's a, it's a, it's an interesting one because it brings, it causes in in organizations, innovation requires the willingness to question a lot of what has always worked. Mm-hmm. If you're trying to get to the next level, like what's good enough to get us here may not be good enough to get us to where we want to go to there. And so while you remain persistent at what you're doing, you're openly questioning what else could be done. What else might we do that we haven't done or that we're afraid to do, right? Because, you know, the enemy of good or the enemy of great is good. The old Jim Collins saying. And so that that tension comes up here in in this paradox. Yeah. You mentioned a couple of definitions there just in passing. And I just want to get clear on those because like we've mentioned in all other episodes, when we're when we're using these terms inside of the Harris, it's really important and just in communication in general and on our teams that we get really clear on what we mean by certain terms that we use, right? So um innovation, they, the way they're using innovation or the definition that they're, the, the, that they're utilizing is how you approach trying new things and overcoming obstacles, right? So that's the overall paradox. And then the two legs, the persistent leg, um, is the tendency to be tenacious despite encountering significant obstacles, which you mentioned, Dan, and experimenting the tendency to try new things and new ways of doing things. So if you can picture this on a graph and if you're listening on Spotify, you can go take a look at the thumbnail of this episode and it'll show you this graph um, and how this is set up persistent on the vertical axis and experimenting on the horizontal and each is measured in, in kind. And then there's a dot where they meet up and that's where this person, that's where this, uh, yeah, the, the person that took the assessment lies within being persistent and experimenting. And the idea is to assemble some sort of high balance on this thing, right? That's where most of the productivity in this paradox happens. And they call that, Harrison calls that inventive. They, they labor, label that quadrant inventive. The tendency to experiment with different ways of accomplishing something while at the same time maintaining focus on the desired objective or result, high persistent, high experimenting. So Adrian, I'd love to hear from you as you approach this paradox with your clients. I mean, you use the Harrison heavily, just like 
Dan, um, and do so many of these debriefs. And I'm curious when something sticks out to you in this paradox, whether it's balance or imbalance, how do you typically approach this conversation? Yeah. The people we get to that, that we get to debrief, um, these, the report with most of, most of the folks that I work with, you know, as I think about it here, tend, uh, tend to hang out in that inventive quadrant, i.e. high persistence and high experimenting. Um, so, you know, it's always great to talk with them because they're, they're doing both. They've, they've both got, and I, I liked, Dan, your determination and imagination. That's a great way to frame it, I would say. I was, mm-hmm. thinking, I was thinking even before you were saying, it's like, you know, are, am I fully using, I'm committed to fully using the tool in hand. I'm also committed to finding the best tools, even if the tool, in, you know, that's not the tool in hand. Um, that's also, I think, one way of looking at it. Yeah. You know, we work with lots of ambitious people and gutsy people and gritty people, right? So, um, what's easy to see uh, is their persistence. You know, because they've been at something for a good while and they're in there, you know, banging their head against the wall every day. You know, I'm gonna find, you know, I'm, you know, I'm gonna find a way to make it work. So, um, and then usually, what's a little more invisible is their willingness to experiment. Um, and I think that's a really human. Uh, human endeavor as well. Mm-hmm. It's natural. I'm, I'm thinking. I'm thinking about this and in, and and uh, energy expenditure. So, uh, you know, when it comes to you know trying something new, we make up that. Uh, well, first off, most people don't like to be wrong about that what they insisted they were right about. And, you know, a lot of us, I mean, including, you know, me talking like, it's like, no, 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 we're going to make this work. We're going to make this work. We're going to make this work. And when a new idea comes across the table, it does take a lot of energy to detach or be willing to let go of something or be willing to kind of, in some ways, like betray. It might feel like I'm betraying all the work that I or the team have already invested in it. Um, and so therefore we, there's a known industry and, you know, energy, it seems like an energy loss. No, 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 let's just stick with it. So we keep, you know, banging really hard on that square peg, trying to get it through that round hole. And I've, you know, only done that about a million times in my life. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, persistence is, you know, I, I, I think it's more rewarded. Uh, it looks better. Um, you know, especially to others. Uh, so, um, there, there's a little more risk inherent in trying something new because it might not work and you might, you know, and, you know, uh, you might have to go back to the well over and over again. So finding something new, uh, usually has, I think an inherent more risk for some people, as you're talking, Dan, they just love to talk about the new all the time and they don't want to like fully engage, you know, what they're doing now. So they're lower on the persistent scale. And they kind of have this, they end up being in that lower right quadrant. If you guys can listen and can imagine it they're and therefore they're in the lower right quadrant, which is in this non-finishing. And so they come off like, as Dan said, like a flake, or it's like, it, you know, it might come off like they're always looking for the escape hatch. They don't want, they don't, you know, they don't have faith in the process. They don't have faith in the team. Um, you know, I, I usually, I mean, I think the question here is full utilization because if, like I can be persistent and still be a fool, you know, like I can be really committed and not paying attention 
to the full resource, even inside of that, which I'm committed to think about your own staff. Like I can be persistent, like, um, with a certain teammate and I'm going to stay thinking this teammate, I'm going to, what can I do? You know, I'm going to keep working on this teammate and all the feedback is this guy doesn't want to work here. Yeah. Not that, you know, he's not that committed. He doesn't, you know, he's been here for three months working on the same problem. Well, maybe he just doesn't want to solve the problem. And so there can be foolishness even inside of grit. Well, yeah, the, it's usually because they're not out. It's usually when an individual isn't outcome based, they're, they're process based. Yeah. So they're persistent about the process versus the outcome. Yeah. And, and that's why it's so vital to manage toward, to the outcome create an objective and a very clear, clear key result that it relates to that objective. And then what's it take to get that result? That's a very different conversation than, Hey, I'm doing, look at all I'm doing and I'm doing it hard. <laughs> I'm doing it fast. And, and, and the result I'm looking at is how fast I'm on the treadmill versus yeah. what's being produced on this treadmill. Yeah. Like, the, the process can become dogma for the oh, organization. Oh. Yeah. Well, this very closely related to the opinions uh, yes. Paradox. But I, I mean, literally, I have worked with, you know, I've had literally had somebody run a company. I remember they were, they were, they were going to go out and open up a new area. They're going to go up and they're going to go pioneer an area that we had some seeds in. They went there overseas five times, and the and, and what occurred was it was reduced. It got. It, it, and along the way, I couldn't, it was like really difficult to get them to see that you're, you're actually producing the opposite of what you want to have happen. Right? But they were convinced that if they kept doing it, that's what stubborn persistence is. It was going to turn out. I remember thinking to myself, wow, man, how do I do, how do I support this, this, this guy? It's like, woo, this is, this is some, this guy was a bull too, man. Yeah. Successful in many things, but the, you know, when he got on some, he wasn't getting off. And I suspect that's, you know, that, uh, that is what often drives success is I'm going to be persistent but to the level of experimenting. That's where you find the keys. Yeah. This is, this is the idea of like throwing good money after bad, right. Or sunk cost fallacy. Uh, I think sunk cost, sunk cost fallacy. Well, that was tough sunk cost fallacy is plays deep into this of like, we've already gone this far trying this thing. We need to, we need to stick with it or, you know, it would be, it would make, I would look stupid if I wasn't right about this. Yeah. 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 There can be a lot of ego wrapped up in it. And that's why this is the beauty is it's not an either or that's why this assessment isn't about either, either I'm tenacious or Mm -hmm. I'm an experimenter. No, it's both. So like commitment and doing whatever it takes to deliver an outcome is essential. And then uh, also what's essential is to always keep your eyes up, keep yourself open, keep your mind open, keep your heart open, which is what we're talking about. Like, you know, if, if someone, if I'm really precious about my idea and now all of a sudden that idea becomes wrapped up in my identity, then I'm not that, I won't be that open, right? Because mm-hmm. now I need that thing to work for me to be who I've been telling myself I am. And, you know, if we can do both where it's like, hold on, a commitment to the outcome requires 
A real commitment to the outcome requires openness to changes in the strategy, change in the, in the, in the tactics, you know, new ideas, new people, you know, the best idea might come from the rookie, like all that type of thinking is real commitment to the outcome, yeah. not, not effort worship, which is what we were talking about earlier. Yeah. Yeah. I worked with a tech company once that they had hired all these engineers to solve the problem. And it was a lot of money, a lot of money, a couple million dollars a year in salaries. And the chief engineer came and went to and he said, hey, I'm thinking about making a shift. I go, what's the shift you want to talk about outside the box? Because I want to let all these engineers go and I want to hire, I want to get online and hire uh, open source guys. Because if we donate to their, their projects, they'll work like hell to get their code into what we're doing because they want their code out there. And they'll produce a lot more code a lot quicker for a lot less. And sure enough, that's exactly what happened. But can you imagine what we thought when he came to us with that? We're like, uh, but what about stability? <laughs> what do you mean? They're not going to quit. He said to me, what do you mean? They're not going to quit. They, they know their code. If they produce, you know, it's going out in your project and they're going to get more, right? And these guys are guys usually working on the side on a project that they really care about, but they're used to doing something else to make money. So you donate to what they're doing. They're, they they produce the code faster. The code was, you know, and so these are guys that are really experimenting and delivering, you know, and, 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 and then the approach was very innovative when they brought it to us. It was like, we all had to sit back and it took some real diligent questioning before we made those moves. Of course, but then it was painful to make those moves as well. So, but innovative. So I'm a I'm a five, somewhat moderately low on persistent. Um, I'm a nine on experimenting. Um, I've never heard. <laughs> you guys, you guys haven't noticed, have you? Is this exposing? <laughs> Sounds about right. <laughs> it sounds about exactly right. Uh, and I heard this described the other day as um, the life of a million starts and no finishes. And I loved that because I, like, I really related my experience to that, uh, my up until now experience uh, to that. Um, but I also have this interesting flip into stubborn, persistent. And, um, and I know how that looks for me. I know that like my way of being, I've, I've been able to recognize at least some of my machinery that happens when I go into that flip. And for those of you who haven't heard that term, use heard us use that term yet. A flip is where, um, under stress you flip, like if what you're doing isn't working. So for me is like, if experimenting over and over a million starts is not working and I'm not getting the results that I say I want, I, and that causes stress, I can flip into stubborn persistence. And you'll pick one and just stay with it. Yes. Probably yep. the one that worked best, even though it didn't work optimally, it worked better than the others. Sure. I think even if I'm observing, if I'm a, if I'm a decent observer of my experiences, I, I also, um, it almost becomes like mindless work at that point. Like I can just persist in the system and check out, I don't have to be creative anymore. Yeah. Does that make sense? Like, yeah. Oh, my creative didn't, my creativity didn't work. So oh, I'll just do the damn thing then. 
and yeah, presses you up against well, I've tr- it feels like I've tried everything, so I yeah. might as well just stick with this thing. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, and I can I can stand seven hours of doing something that uh, I don't have heart in, but I actually can't. I can, I try to convince myself I can, but um, so I'm I'm curious. I know we've we've passed by a few of them, uh, but I'm I'm wondering you know, what rackets or way of being produces, uh, the result of stubborn persistent, like what, what are some common ways of being a rackets that, uh, that people who are in stubborn persistence find themselves using? I think you named a couple of them. I I think, you know, the need to, my identity gets caught up in something. I'm going to be much more persistent at proving that it's so and then I'm probably going to defend it, even if it's not working, right? It's gonna, it's coming, it's gonna happen. It's gonna happen, it's coming tomorrow, right? Yeah. I mean, that was, that's what I've run. I mean, I know that one well, mm-hmm. right? So there's there's a, there's a number of them. And, and just to kind of off of that, I think this paradigm also has a lot to do with how we manage people because I'll tend to switch horses if I'm not as persistent, I might switch horses faster rather than develop somebody or develop the situation. Mm-hmm. If I'm stubbornly persistent, I might ride the wrong horse too long. Yeah. Right. So, you know, Adrian and I had this talk coming into business together about how we're going to stand for people. I like to stand for people and I might ride them too long. I might bring the wrong horse in, but I want to see him make it. Right. And, and I think Adrian's got a little of that in him as well. And we've, we've worked, we, we were conscious of that, but it, it affects how you work with people as well. Like how mm-hmm. willing are you to, to stay with people? How quickly do you get off of them? And how do you develop them? Because to really allow, you know, the object, the, the, if the obstacle is the way, it takes a certain level of, it, it takes a very good balance between persistence and experimental to find the way in the obstacle. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think you were mentioning what kind of rackets and for those that are listening that don't know what we're talking about, it's kind of like what's kind of like a chronic complaint, a belief that I have about what is so. Uh, and it's and it's chronic. It's, it's been around for uh, over time and it's negative. And the, the racket side of it is I get to say this to myself and I get to use it to check out of what's happening. And I get some kind of under the table, you know, benefit from even the thing that I'm complaining about. So for example, you know, I, I think, I think one that connects here is like being busy, being mm-hmm. busy, is a great one. Like I don't have time to come up with, you know, a new solution. So therefore I must stay in this stubborn, persistent conversation. This has got to work. It's like the only thing left. And if I had more time in the day, listen, if I had more time in the day, I'd go out and da, 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 but I don't. So we're just going to make this work. Tom, make this work. Yeah. Um, like that. I'm counting on you. I'm counting on <laughs> you, man. I'm counting on you, man. Yes. It's here's your lemons, make some lemonade. Um, you know, so I, I mean, that, that's a popular one. Um, you know, waiting for, you know, the next outside solution to our inside problem, you know, I've got some clients now that like, you know, if, you know, if there was this, this technology available, then I'd be able to, 
um, you know, like this kind of waiting, you know, the, the convenient belief system that I can't do anything until somebody else shows up with my solution. Yeah. Mm. Um, or, you know, you know, so that's a couple of like kind of beliefs that people can hide behind and, and, and I guess justify their stubborn persistence. It just has to be this way or we're under resourced. That's a good one too. If I had more staff then I would. Yeah. That first one that you mentioned really reminded me of a call, a coaching call that I had this week with one of my clients who works with a household brand that we all know he is a, a manager. He's managing two teams. And then he, he also has 12 direct reports to himself. And one of the things that he, you know, we got on the call and I said, what would be the most powerful for the call today? What, 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 you know, what would be the biggest win on this call today? And his thing was, well, I want to know how to connect with my reports better, how to see them, how to make them feel mostly, mostly pointed towards their growth, their growth and their comfort, not comfort on the team, but their, their belonging on the team, you know, all of that kind of stuff. And, and he just felt like that's been missing. And it was interesting as we kind of dissected how he uses his time and what, how his interactions typically go. And it is this story of busy, right? And so it's this busyness and everything that every conversation is in the context of the busy, even when he tells them, Hey, I'm like, when he does his one-to-ones, this time is for you and me, but I'm super busy is the undertone of the whole thing. Yeah. Right. And so, and he's wondering why they can't open up to him or why they don't open up to him. And, um, and it was very, very clear that like he has this su- stubborn persistence in the process and he's, he's a really hard, like he's a heart, uh, leader. He leads from the heart. Uh, he loves his people. He wants to make a difference. He sees them holistically. And yet he is a pro he is a product of, the, the process and being stubbornly persistent in it does the one-to-ones because that's what you do. And then goes and does five meetings and barely has time to drink water in between, you know? And, and so it was very, this was very apparent. So where we spent time talking about is like, okay, how can we experiment? There's, it's not a problem of time. It's, it's, it's not a problem of time because the, the amount of time is less relevant than how you use it. And right? what did you come up with? As he came, as he started to evolve in the conversation, he realized that he had used busy as an excuse to not connect any, even in the times that he had with them. And so to take the conversation from being busy, busy, but to being, um, to having a, what was his term? Something about his schedule to have, having a, um, a healthy schedule uh, yet, yet committed to his team and to make ask, be with them. I, the question that came up for me when I listened to this was, I wonder what he doesn't want to hear. Right. And that's where we went. That's one of the conversations that we had. And that was playing in to his kind of psyche. Did, did he have any idea what his, cause he probably has a preeminent preeminent, you know, pre, what do you call it? Pre, premonition of what he doesn't want to hear. That's why. <laughs> I think it's still, I think it's still working on it, but was that, that you're too busy for me? Yeah. Because that's the thing that he, he has a really tif- difficult time with the leaders in, in the organization that seem too busy for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Isn't that funny? Yeah. It's like, I'm scared to death. 
And my people are going to think I'm too busy for them. So when they show up, I'm actually going to say or act too busy for them. Yes. Yeah. So good. Yeah. It's great. So on the, on the non-finishing side, which is the right, the lower right quadrant, that's high experimenting, low persistent. That's where I tend to fall um, outside of my flip on a, on a, on the regular. So what rackets or ways of being produce this result? Yeah. So, you know, I'm looking at my results here when I took this a, a couple of years back and I'm like nine on the persistent and seven on the experimenting and that type of gap, that two point gap gives me a very small flip internal flip. Um, and you know, so I'll talk to the flip first, like when like usually a highly persistent and experimenting person might flip into non-finishing, usually these internal flips, you know, are there to deal with the, to kind of uh, deal with the effect of, uh, being so committed to the dominant theme. So, so if I, if I'm, if sometimes I'll just say F it. And, you know, go, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to do it and, and kind of check out, um, or that, you know, or or go to, for me, it's like to, or go to some kind of, um, apathetic stance really that let's just, you know, I'll let somebody else go experiment and, and not be as committed to the process. Um, and then, you know, that's, so there's a, there's a racket in there that I'll act like I don't care, like apathy as a, you know, as a hiding place, I'll act like I don't care just because I actually don't, in a moment in time, I might not know how to solve the thing. Yeah. Act act like I don't care, give delegate it, um, inauthentically and, uh, you know, relieve myself from the pressure of doing something. I don't, I tell myself, I don't know how to do. Yeah. yeah, it, it strikes me when I do that. I'm afraid of failing. So rather than face the failure, I give it to somebody else or go in another direction. <clears throat> yeah. And which the, it's crazy because when I get to that place, if, if what's valuable is if I'll hold in and keep myself in the conversation, it's amazing I how oftentimes the resource shows up if I face into it. But normally if I'm, non-finishing i'm trying to get away from it i'm so busy getting away from it the possibility of showing up the possibility of persisting is more of a threat than it is a possibility it doesn't show up like a possibility so yeah it's like a waste of time yeah like, like you know shit i'm why would i waste my time on this i mean it's gonna fail you can see it's gonna fail so let's yeah. cut our losses short which by the way plays right into our biology because our brain's trying to save energy in case we need it to stay alive that's why we feel so urgent at times to stop talking about something because we don't think it's going to go somewhere. I mean, if you're married, you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, and yet how many times I've found that if I just stuck in the conversation, really stuck in the conversation and listened and continued to look for what was wanted needed to have that, what I wanted the future occur, I could often find it, but it takes that persistence to do it. Right. So I think, escaping the potential loss is a big racket for me. You know, that, that can, as a young man, that was a big deal. Well, yeah, we talked to, yeah, we talked about busy in the other, on the other side, the stubborn persistence I use, I noticed that I use busy in the non-finishing 
like too busy, <laughs> too busy to finish. Ultimately I, I can relate. I'm scared of failure. I'm scared of throwing my whole self at it because what does it mean about me if I throw my whole self at it and it doesn't work? Or what is it? And what does it mean? I might let people down. I care about. Yeah. If I can leave it and give them a reason why I'm leaving it, then I'm not letting them down either. Cause that, that's, a, that's a concern. I like, I can come up with this. I, I want people to approve of me or I want to keep the relationship in place. So we better move from this to this because I don't want to let you down here. I may not say that, but that's what I'm up to. So I can really fill my calendar and my to-do list in order to not have to get after this thing uh, and be persistent. Yeah. Yeah. The um, I'm, I'm thinking about it. Like if, if, if I'm lower in persistence and higher in experimenting as a natural preference, not like as a flip. Yep. Um, you know, I, what the tendency might be is to, even though maybe the complaint is that I'm really busy, I will keep trying to find relief from the busy by trying an, yet another new thing instead of saying no to new and committing to what's here. Mm-hmm. You know, and so we half bake most things acting like we fully baked them. And we just look for the next recipe. I don't want to, I don't want to get good at this one. I'm going to half do all this shit, <laughs> <laughs> half doing all this shit and then blame the recipe. And it's not, it's the, how I've been participating. I've been half in on, yep. on the process. I haven't been willing to really walk it all the way out to the end to see if it's worth it or not. You know, it's, um, I was thinking about that actually yesterday during my, uh, I was playing some golf yesterday and I'm watching how often I want to tweak my swing instead of just practice the swing I've got. I'll move this foot this way. I'll move my hips this way. I'll move my grip this way. And the whole time ends up being an almost opportunity to practice something. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm always tweaking instead of just practice. Why don't you do the same thing 10 times, man? Instead do one, one, one. You know, it's one. so interesting. The lessons I've been taking, the guy won't let me move to the next exercise till I master 15 shots. Like he'll say, to, to correct my slice, I had to hit 15 hooks and he showed me how to hit the hooks and I had to train my body to hit the hooks. I had to shorten my swing down. And I, he would not, he said, you don't get to go to the next one till you hit those 15 hooks. Then you get to go over here and do this, which will help to adjust the hook. It's like exactly what you're talking about. Cause I'm, and then he says, when you get on the course and this was, I was trying to, it's just, then you just go to experience rhythm. You just let it go and then come back and practice again later. Yeah. Another element of this that's interesting to me is I, my personal experience and, and you guys can dig into this. It might be interesting, but I think it might be relatable is that I get energy and new is exciting. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like experimenting is really exciting for me. That's right. Dan stabbing his arm. Like it's it's, give, give me another dose of that experimenting heroin, baby. <laughs> but anyway, I was a kid, you know, if you had a girlfriend, but you met another girl, it was more exciting because this it was brand new, right? Yeah. Our, our new friendship, right? You meet another friend, you go, I'm going to go hang out over there. It's new. It's exciting. Mm-hmm. And then pretty soon the same shit shows up. <laughs> you better find another new one. Right. As soon as it gets hard or, or something shows up where you got to face yourself, 
than the new and the, you know, all of the ideas and the brainstorming and the startup and all that stuff just gets really exciting again. Yeah. We know, we know that dopamine works that way, right? It's the dopamine is anticipatory. Um, so like the idea that something might work, that's why, you know, there's plenty of research out there about why not to share your goals because you're going to get the hit just from talking about it. Cause you're going to talk yes. like, you're going to talk like you've actually done it and your brain will reward you for rehearsing that future already, mm-hmm. you know? And that's, I think one of the, like the, the, the spike or like why experimenting is awesome because it's cool. Hope feels great. It, it routinely yeah. doesn't do the trick, but it feels great. Yeah. Kierkegaard talks about that as the, the despair of possibility that in the despair of possibility, just talking about it is enough. Mm. It's like, mm. there's no, the feet aren't on the ground. There's no connection to the necessity. And so, and, and I don't want the tension. Like if, if I'm connected to the necessity of what has to happen and I talk about the possibility, I feel the tension that will provoke action. But if I've released the tension of the necessity, if I'm not willing to look at what's required and I just talk about the possibility, I get intoxicated. Right? Mm. It, 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 Lifespring used to say there is no hope. And was, that's what they were referring to. Like there's, there's no hope if, unless you're really connected to the, the tension of, the, of what is wanted and needed. Like you really let yourself in on that. Yeah. Well, and I mean, you can hear... I want to talk about teams for a second uh, because, you know, there's no, I routinely, whenever I'm doing a Harrison debrief, I, I, I say to the person I'm talking to whose report I'm going through, which feels very personal. I, I tend to tell them, Hey, there's no bad news here. This is not, there's nothing, nothing's wrong or bad or broken here. So this is not, uh, this is not an indicator of what you're lacking. It's an indicator of how you show up in the, how you most naturally maybe, based on your preferences, show up in the moment and how, where your natural default, maybe first steps are. Yeah. And if I always talk about it, there's like two major workarounds. One is like increasing my intention and attention. Like if, like, if I know that I'm really great, I love experimenting and I'm less apt to want to drive through and push through and, you know, uh, stick with, then in order for me to do that, I've got to actually know that and then tell myself that when I want to bail and try the next, you know, 55th new thing, it's like, no, 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 man, stop, go back to this, push this another minutes, push this another two hours. I can do it that way. Um, or the other workaround is to, is to team with people that naturally prefer what you don't naturally prefer. Now I'm thinking about, so many leaders that either that hit on one side or the other of this, they might be hyper experimenting um, and, you know, less, less preference for towards the persistence, which is not a problem unless they're in, a, in denial that that's what they prefer. Or if they're most of the time defensive by the person that represents the other leg, you know, for example, the visionary leader that h- hates their operations person, Mm-hmm. because you know what a downer that person is you're always talking about what it's going to take to get it done i'm over yeah. here talking about the future damn it and you're over here telling me about why it's not going to happen or what's going to have to happen and why i got to go out and raise more money to make this thing happen can we just you know let me do my job 
And that's probably taps into the insecurity because we don't all get to be well-rounded people. Um, so, you know, if, or if the hyper persistent person that tends to ride the horse too long or tends to stick on the strategy an extra six months or tends like that, you know, they might be, they might judge the crap out of the, the, the new idea person that's always thinking about, cause look how flighty that person is. Look how naive they are. They don't know what it's going to take. And if they can't practice that themselves or open themselves up open enough, then it's great to team with people like that. But you have to tell yourself that that which you don't naturally choose is as valuable as that which I naturally choose and honor the other leg. And if we do that, well, you're going to find, I'm going to find myself opening up to new experiences of myself and, or I'm going to find myself opening up and building a bigger cadre of skills and talents on my team. And therefore we're like really well-rounded team. It might be very sharp individuals, but really well-rounded teams, which one of, you know, one of those two things is necessary to drive results. I was thinking about this as, as an organization as a whole too. We often talk, talk about these paradoxes in the, on the personal level, the individual level. I was thinking about it as organizations and teams as well. Adrian is like, what we can identify is like, if you have a team that's high experimenting, low persistent, well, that's a team that never ships, right. Or rarely ships or ships late, um, overthinks the problem, over experiments, the problem constantly creating, 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 and creating some people even call it like, uh, some people would, would call it like perfectionism. Like this thing has to be perfect. We have to continue to experiment with it until we miss the opportunity to ship it. And so it's interesting to just recognize organizations and teams in that position, and then like the opposite is high persistent, low experimenting. These are the teams that have been doing the same thing over and over and over and over again. And maybe they're losing their market share and maybe they're losing, you know, clientele or whatever, because they've been unwilling to take an experimental look at their processes, their products and what they're offering. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We've seen it all. And, and teams can shift. Even one, one team, you might find yourself as a leader. It's like the team used to be like this and now it's like this, or you bring in somebody new and they kind of shift the wind on the team. Yeah. Yep. You know, and, and it's worth it just to zoom out um, and talk about what's happening on the team and talk about the mood of the team. And my, you know, most teams follow the value system of the leader the leader like sets the tone, right? So if the leader has a high value for experimenting, those that have a high value for persistence might feel like their conversation isn't valued at the table. That might be true, or it might just be their perception and they're not willing to stand for it. Mm -hmm. So if you're like on a team or a leader of a team either way and, and want to um, see a shift in one of these ways, it's good to zoom out for a second and say, Hey, you know, are we doing all we can do with what we've got at hand? You know, are there any things that we're missing? Is are there any things we've given up on that we need to go again on, like that we've already tried? Any, any even maybe any new ways to do what we all have already done, or are we being so damn myopic that the solution is right, be right, you know, right outside, um, you know, right outside view, right, right in my periphery? And what what aren't we talking about? What aren't we thinking about? who, you know, what, what new changes might we want to experiment with and try something on? 
Um, and so to zoom out, if you're a leader, listen to this, you know, to zoom out and like notice where your team is, or even notice where your team is on certain projects or when you deal with certain people or when you deal with a certain client, like all this can shift the mood of the team. So it's just good to get, get that conversation in front of you so you can turn the dials on if we, when you need more persistence or when you need new ideas and really meet the, the, you know, the moment at hand. Yeah. I think that's a nod back to where Dan kind of started in relating this to the opinions paradox. I mean, very much what you're talking about is very similar. So that's great. That's a great place to, to wrap it up. I think Dan, any final comments on this one? No, I was just thinking, God, that's a great rap. I was thinking that was a great rap, but he just did. So yeah, there it is. Swish. All right. Exactly. Fantastic. Well, thanks so much, gentlemen. I really appreciate the conversation as usual. Uh, I'm enlightened, uplifted and, and, um, you know, excited to take on my persist, my, uh, my high experimenting, low persistent ways. <laughs> Keep rock on now. Rock on with your bad self. <laughs> I'm with you. All right. Bye-bye everybody. Well, my friends, thank you so much for listening to yet another conversation on the Naked Leadership Podcast. Your listenership and commitment to the podcast means the world to us. If this podcast or these conversations has helped helped or inspired you in any way, would you mind going to Apple Podcasts and leaving a five-star rating and a glowing review? This helps us grow the movement and reach more leaders and teams. Finally, the greatest compliment that you can give us is sharing the podcast with your teams and the other leaders in your life. Until next week, bye-bye everybody.